You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Alexander Pedals Defender. That's right, you may have seen it here recently. It's a digital dirt pedal. Overdrive, fuzz, distortion sounds, and all kinds of functionality that I would be doing a disservice to try to condense it into some weird podcast description. But it can do a lot. It's part of their Neo series, so if you're familiar with that, you know that there's a lot of uh, lot of functionality built into that platform. And this one I was having a blast with. No pun intended. Or maybe was there. Who knows? But I would definitely suggest heading over to YouTube, doing a little searching, and pulling up some demos by probably your favorite demo guys have done done it. A lot of guys have uh, got a chance to check this thing out. And you, they'll, really, uh, they'll really do a better job at describing what I'm talking about when I say it is crazy. So yeah, check out the Alexander Pedals Defender and enjoy. Okay, we are here, and there's a little bit of a backstory on this episode. This was recorded a long time ago, and through a combination of software upgrades and my foggy memory and a whole bunch of other weird circumstances, it got buried. It's been just sitting there, this juicy nugget, just waiting, waiting to come to the surface, and I was doing some cleaning up of some files on the computer, and then compared with past episodes and went, hey, that episode never came out, and I feel like a jerk, because this episode features the wonderful Andy Kim from longtime Tone Mob sponsors, Sinusoid Cables. So this is sort of a sponsorship spot right now, also an explanation, explanation, about why this should have came out like three months ago or four months ago, and it didn't. And But at least it's now seen the light of day. And also, you should go to sinusoid.com and check out all their fine offerings because, well, you're about to hear why. Andy's a wonderful guy. He helps make this podcast uh, uh, actually a thing that exists instead of something that doesn't exist. It's just made up in your brain. Whoa. But yeah. Go check out sinusoid.com and enjoy this episode with Andy Kim. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the ToneMob.com podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today I have none other than longtime ToneMob supporter, Andy Kim of Sinusoid Cables. How's it going, man? It's going very well. Hello, everybody. You're on a ferry right now, right? Oh, I'm good. 
Good. I'm yeah. I'm I'm trying to like get my bearings because I'm not a morning person. Although I I generally have to record in the morning these days. Yeah. And it's man, uh, this is late. What is it like nine o'clock? <laughs> yeah. Well, you've been yeah you've been awake since what two? I mean that's how you roll, uh, right? Yeah. No. Today today it was about four thirty, so it was a late start. Oh jeez. I don't understand. Yeah. What time do you go to bed? Uh, I'm usually in bed by about midnight to one. Um, if I get about three and a half to four hours of sleep, I'm good for the day. It uh, it eventually catches up a little bit towards the end of the week where I start to feel tired. But uh, yeah, about. And then four you got to sleep for like. S- then you got to sleep for like six hours to recover. I yeah, that, it, I I know it sounds funny, but yeah, that's absolutely <laughs> it. So yeah, on weekends uh, I I try and get about six hours in, and then I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of. I'm a, pretty I'm sure. A... Oh, go ahead. You're sure you're good? Oh no! Oh, I was go ahead. Just gonna say, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's taking like years or decades off my life living like this. But oh well, you know. You like that? You like that old Waylon Jennings song? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Ain't, right. ain't living long <laughs> like this, here, my baby. Yeah. Um, but for all those who are who are wondering if I don't know. I don't know how much of this is picking up in the background or not, but you're on a ferry right now, right? I am. I am on a ferry heading over to uh, Bainbridge Island from Seattle and uh, going to go help a buddy of mine who owns a big coffee roaster over there. He needs some help on the electrical. So, yeah, I'm just going to head over and do some pro bono work and hopefully get some free coffee out of it. <laughs> there you go. I think yeah. That's never a bad deal. Uh, no, how many coffee roasters are in Seattle? Seems like there's a, just so many. Dude, you know, the coffee roasters out here are like, well, I don't know if it's quite that, but it's, I'd say it's almost similar to the, the breweries of Portland. Um, mm, okay. There's, there, yeah, there are coffee roasters everywhere. I mean, every street corner. Uh, it, it's at least a, a, a coffee shop, but then behind that, you know, there are all these little micro roasteries. And so it's really cool. It's, you know, obviously if you're a coffee person, Seattle is a great place to be for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's something, yeah. uh, I should be more of a coffee person. I like coffee, but then again, I could see myself like getting really into it. Like I'm really into everything I get into. I get really into it. So I better, I oh, better yeah. limit my, my hobbies. I think is it's best if I just enjoy coffee as I continue to do so. Cause I could see myself really geeking out on it. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, when you start going down that road, you just can't enjoy a cup of coffee anymore. Right. You're, you're <laughs> like a good diner it. mug. Yeah, exactly. You just, you just can't enjoy it anymore. I mean, it's like, obviously you're super into pizza, right? And and we all I do that, I do really like pizza. Yeah, yes, I do. Yeah, but once you start once you start developing like a, a I don't know, you start critiquing it, you start thinking about all the different pizzas that you've had, the good, the bad, and, and you start to not be able to enjoy most of it. I don't know. I just I I think I understand, but I don't I'm not that way with pizza so much. Um I I mean I really like true. it and I really I like it with different things, but like, I think the craft beer would be there again, a better analogy. Cause like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't, there's, I can't, I just like, no, it has to be, 
has to be at least decent for me to enjoy it, or I'd rather just not have it. You know, you know type of thing. You know what? You're you're absolutely right because I can't remember the last time I had a terrible pizza. Mm-hmm. I yeah, even shoot, like one you know, that's I not do. that good. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's kind of yeah, good. It's still, exactly. I grew up eating. Uh, you know what a Totino's uh, party pizza is? Heck, yes, I do. <laughs> Dude, I love those. Like when they go on sale for ninety nine cents or something. Uh huh. Yeah, so, I, was, I think I think even through college, I was buying just boxes of those and stuff in the freezer. And I mean, that's what we were eating in college: that and drinking I, beer and whatever right. else. Yeah. But it's good though, right? Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Totino's isn't like it's not going to substitute for like a real Italian, you know, wood fired delicious slice. Like, it's not. It's like oh, almost two different things. Not even know? close. Yeah, but it's, it's freaking good. delicious. It is. We when I talked about this before, but when we were recording our album a couple of years ago, uh, yeah. we brought over my my little Traeger smoker to like so okay. we didn't have to like le- leave for food. We could ju- we just loaded up on a bunch of you know delicious meats, shoved them in the freezer, and then at yeah. lunchtime we instead of leaving, we would just grill, which was pretty cool. Oh, nice, um, nice. But we also brought over uh, a few Totino's pizzas and threw them on the smoker. <laughs> Oh, no and, way. Uh, yeah, and and uh, we there's a local uh local like kind of small grocery store that has a really excellent uh meat department and they make all okay. these sausages in-house and like all yeah. these weird things and they have a pizza sausage where it's like a bunch like if you took the toppings of a combination pizza, ground them up and put them in a sausage casing. Um, oh, dude. Yeah, and so we split one of those open and sprinkled it all over the Totinos. It was it was delicious. It was so good. Uh, oh, it was man. like combining combining gourmet and garbage at the same time. It was yeah. weird. Oh, that sounds um. good. Those Totinos, we we uh, in college because I think my appetite was really starting to get big around college. I grew up super skinny, and now I've got a belly because I think the beer and whatever else I consume, but. In college, I, I started to really, my appetite was growing. So what we'd do is we'd get two of those Totinos, right? And we'd mm-hmm. bake them, and then we'd make a big sandwich. <laughs> and just, <laughs> just eat it whole, like a big, giant pizza sandwich. And that was the best, man. Oh, my, man. My that roommates. sounds kind of good. Yeah. So in, in one sitting, the four of us, we'd kill like 10 pizzas, right? 10 of those. Oh, oh um, easily. Yeah. And again, I, I'm pretty sure I was taking, you know, days or weeks or years off of my life doing that. But <laughs> man, it was so delicious. Well, well, with the preservatives in it, maybe it was actually adding years. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> or that, yeah. Yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll be, you, you got to maintain your college good looks for extra years because of yeah. the preservatives in the pizza. Yeah. You know, I like that about you, Blake. You're always seeing the bright side of things. <laughs> I... I try to. I actually tend to be a pessimist, but I, I don't like to project it as much as I used to. Because mm. I figure, you know, if I'm always uh, on the negative, I'll never be disappointed. Um, yeah. But that's not a fun yeah. way. To, that's not a fun way to think about things. So I try not no. to try put that out there. Yeah, it's best just to have some fun, you know. It's Absolutely. Best to look at. So before we, I mean, we're going to talk, we're going to, this is going to be another episode where we talk about food a lot because you and I are both very into the food. Oh yeah. Uh, 
Um, but we should probably talk about, you've got an interesting history in the industry, uh, kind of reaching back, you know, pre-Sinusoid a little bit and, and, uh, just kind of give us your, your background, your musical story. I don't think I've really ever talked to you about guitars and whatnot. I think we usually talk about like what's going on in the, the business side of things when we're chatting. So like, that'll be interesting for me. Like what's your kind of musical backstory? How did it lead to what you're doing today? Oh yeah. You know, you're right. We haven't talked about the, the musical part. Um, but my musical history background is fairly short lived. Um, and I, I started playing it. Actually, Justin and I, Justin was up here yesterday and we had lunch and he sold me a very, very nice guitar. Um, I'll post pictures of that. But anyways, during lunch, what? he was, this is all, yeah. this is all news to me. <laughs> oh, it is. I knew it's, uh, I knew he was going the, up there, but I didn't know what yeah. I didn't know he was selling you a guitar. This is a whole nother story. Yeah. Okay. More the, on that uh, later. Yeah, the the blue cower, if you know which one that is. But Oh I do. He, oh, I yeah. didn't know. That, that thing is glorious. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's Damn. an understatement. That is definitely an understatement. But so I, I anyway. started playing guitar around fifth or sixth grade, I think it was. Uh, picked up an acoustic, uh, was playing at church of all things, and eventually moved over to electric around seventh grade. And I, I was playing, I, my first guitar was a, a strat. It was a black strat. Um, and I loved that thing until I lent it to a buddy of mine, um, in high school and never saw it again. But, oh man. Yeah, in in seventh grade, so I joined uh, the band, the high school or the uh, the middle school band, and, and our middle school had a jazz band, so that's where they they put me with my electric. And looking back, I knew absolutely nothing about jazz and jazz guitar, and I totally sucked. But our school recorded a couple albums, and I was the electric player for that. And I, I was just telling Justin, I think last year I found one of those recordings and I was listening. Oh, to really? It. Yeah. Oh man. I was horrified at <laughs> what I heard. It was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. Even at seventh grade, I shouldn't have been playing that bad, but, uh, oh, no. <laughs> it, 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 it was terrible. I mean, it, and I, I hope to God that all other copies have been burned and no, no longer exist, but. Yeah, I know so that, the that's kind of where I, <laughs> that's where I started on electric, and I played all through high school um, and a little through co college. But after college, I started developing some issues with carpal tunnel, and uh, my hands go numb, and they just don't move like they used to. So uh, about ten years ago, I ended up just selling off all my gear that I had. Um, I think I think I was left with a tuner, one of those old tuners with the analog. Um, Oh yeah. Uh, display on it. Yeah. And I think mm -hmm. that's like the one piece that I kept only cause I couldn't sell it. Nobody would buy it. So uh, <laughs> right. I got rid of all my gear and, um, it was, it was at NAM last year that it was at the new neighbor booth. Um, I had just, and I think you were there for that. You know, we had that beer for lunch thing at gear slum and, mm -hmm. or for the gear slum. And, um, so I was a little no, intoxicated. We went down to the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, 
all this all of the drunkards went downstairs uh to, to oh those gear slum guys <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i i walked over to the new neighbor booth and and you know i would never have done it if i hadn't been you know drinking beforehand but i walked up and i grabbed uh, uh one of kevin equitz's guitars that he had there and mm-hmm. i just sat down and started noodling and playing with it definitely i mean i could barely play um but I kind of caught the bug again and I was, I was sitting there playing and I, I thought to myself, boy, I, I got to get back into this and I got to, I got to really relearn everything and, and get myself up to speed and going again. So, um, it was at that point where, you know, I, I didn't even, I didn't even know what an equits was, to be frank. Um, I, I saw right. Kevin on the boards before and uh, so I knew the name, but, I really didn't know too much about him or his guitars, and they're super nice, I, super oh, super dude, nice. They are, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but it was on that guitar that I kind of had that moment where, it was, okay, I, I got to do this again. I got to pick this up. I, I've caught the bug, and and I've missed out all these years. So, well, I decided I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I have a, oh, I have a weird, a weird thought that just, I probably wouldn't have thought of if it wasn't for an interview I did last week. Um, okay. Uh, I, it, that'll actually be coming out tomorrow as we record mm-hmm. this. But, um, I did an interview with Rick at, uh, Carmine Street Guitars in New York City. And he was talking okay. about big necks. He makes generally yeah. bigger necks, which I like, um, mm-hmm. most of the time. And so, and yeah. I remember the Equits guitars that were at that booth, and they had necks that I really liked. They weren't huge, but they were bigger. Um, yeah. And well, I wonder if really that might. Nice. Yeah. So I wonder if, like you said, you had carpal tunnel issues. I, and what what Rick was saying, you know, he's not a, he's not a, uh, uh, I don't know what the word is. He's not a medical person by any stretch, but like he was saying that that yeah. was better better for most people's hands rather than the thinner flatter that we kind of think, think of as super fast necks. Um, yeah, yeah. He was like the bigger vintage style. He's like, think about the technical players of, uh, that are play classical. He's like that neck profile hasn't changed in like 200 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really big. It's like two inch radius or something. Um, or excuse me, two inch. Yeah. It's like two inch. I don't remember exactly the details, yeah. but I wonder if the bigger neck might help with the carpal tunnel stuff you were experiencing. I don't know what you were playing me, back then. Yeah. I, I, I don't know because this Arcturix that, that, and I'm just going to say Justin's Arcturix because, uh, Arcturus, mm-hmm. but he, uh, that one has a slightly thicker neck as well. And when I yes. was, messing around with it last night kind of getting to know it, uh, it it felt really really comfortable but i think that the equits that oh so after playing the equits at the new neighbor booth i i decided i needed one so right i called up kevin or messaged him or eh, i got a hold of him somehow and i just said hey build me a guitar i don't care what it is i don't care how you configure it just make me one and um, and that's what he's been doing. So I haven't really specified anything on the guitar. I'm just letting him oh, cool. build it. And I think when I was with Kevin at Cowerfest this last this past summer, 
we were talking about the neck profiles and I might've told him that I wanted kind of a thinner necker neck profile on, on the one that he was building me based on what I was playing with at Cowerfest. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know if the thicker neck helps or if it was just something magical about the equits that I thought was amazing. Um, but, but definitely, um, yeah, I mean, definitely something about that guitar that I was playing, uh, it bit me and I caught that bug again. So, so now the gear acquisition syndrome has hit. Next thing you know, you're going to have to build yourself some sort of exterior room to hold your gear because you're a nincompoop like me. <laughs> no. Maybe That's what not. the office is for. That's what the sinusoid <laughs> office is for. <laughs> That's where I keep the toys. I don't think. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think any of those guys will be offended about that. That seems like a work perk. Yeah. No. It, it's. Uh, I think that having gear there is is important for just for everybody. It, it allows them to screw around when they want to and kind of get exposed to everybody else's stuff. So. It, yeah, yeah, it it adds to the the general look and feel of the space too. So that's always a good for, thing. For sure. Well, and then you know it's but it, you know even if you're not selling the 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 thing that you're talking about pedals, guitars, whatever, it's kind of it's important to know what's going on in the industry at large, at least a little bit. You know. Um, yeah, I think so. You, I think you know it makes sense. Some guys aren't wired that way. Some guys don't really care. They just they just head down and you know solder stuff. But then they, they then I see them sometimes. Oh, we came out with a new this and that, and it's like, well, somebody else already had that exact same thing that you just spent however long developing. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's a lot of the pedals and amps and guitars and whatnot, and all the gear that we have at our office. They're mostly made by friends of ours, mm-hmm. so that's always it's always nice to support them. And when we take pictures for marketing, it's it's nice to throw in one of our friends' products too. So yeah, all around, sure. it, you know, it's just fun to have gear. I mean, that's what it really this, is this whole industry. It really is. Yeah, it's just all fun. So mm-hmm. it's yeah. I mean, it, when I'm at home, I can't really make too much noise, anyways. Um, I got a little, I've got a four year old, so she, she needs mm-hmm. her rest. And by of the course. time I get home, it's, it's almost bedtime anyway. So yeah, it's nice to have it at the office. For sure. But, for sure. Yeah. So the gear so, acquisition started and now we've got a bunch of pedals. We've got, well, I've got a bunch of pedals at the shop that kind of circulates and, uh, got a couple amps and now a couple. Nice guitars, so we'll nice. see where this leads. Hopefully, it doesn't go too far. <laughs> it's for, it's for not the worst thing in the world. For, it's, no. it's it's okay. Yeah, um, yeah. See, this is the blind leading the blind here. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Yeah, uh, I'm yeah. not the person to be taking advice from on that on that front at all. Yeah. But oh well, for sure. Well, there's worse yeah. things. Um, yeah, for sure. So how did, how did Sinusoid come to be? I know like 
you've got a lot of thing, irons in the fire and have had a lot of irons in the fire for a long time. But how did it, you know, what was kind of the, the thing that made you go, I want to try to do this? Yeah, my my background, other than just, just music, my background um, at an early age was, was pro audio. And in high school, I started. I started running sound in middle school for church and in high school, I got a job with a a regional touring company up here. And Mm -hmm. that eventually led me to, you know, doing some front of house work, a lot of systems tech work, uh, tuning systems, setting up and whatnot. But I eventually landed at, at one of the big amphitheaters up here as their house engineer. And with all the tours going through, uh, I, I was, having to do a lot of maintenance work on our gear and other people's gear, especially cables, because they'd always break. Um, mm-hmm. it, and being on the road a few times, that that's something that before every show, you have to literally take apart everything or test everything. Because uh, in a big show where you have 24,000 people that have paid to be there, you don't want problems just because one single cable. Because one single cable in a big touring audio system can essentially render the, the system useless, right? So oh, yeah. One of your drive lines go down or even one of your main guitars, their, their uh, instrument cable goes out. Uh, and so I learned early on how to, to build cables to specs that, that would withstand the rigors of the road. And, you know, I developed my, not developed, but I, I, kind of learn my own preferences for materials, uh, the construction of the cable, the type of connectors, uh, and, and soldering technique, which, you know, it's not rocket science. I mean, by any means, it's, it's actually fairly easy, but, uh, because of that, I, I, I always wanted to do something, uh, with cables. I, I thought that if, if I were to bring to market a product that I felt was superior and could, could withstand the road uh, it could do fairly well in the marketplace and uh, i've had other businesses in the past and this is kind of sinusoid is is really a culmination of, of a lot of the things that i learned in previous uh like you said irons in the fire uh, mm-hmm. and a few years ago i decided okay now's the time and let's do this so we started development of the site. It took, it took about a full year of development just to get the site up and running and, and where we wanted it. And then uh, during that time, and then plus another year, we were developing our slate cable. And uh, and then we took some time to develop the, the sliver connector as well. So uh, it, it's just been a lot of fun. It's been something that I've always wanted to do is have a cable company. Uh, mm-hmm. It just morphed into that, I guess. Um, and the guys that we have working there right now, uh, they're really the ones that are uh, carrying the heavy load, uh, making the, the company run. Uh, I, I run another business that has recently, especially this past summer, taken up about 95% of my, my time. And so mm-hmm. Anthony, Kevin, Tyler, Nathan, uh, those are the guys that have been really, uh, they stepped up and, uh, they, they've really been carrying the company. 
So I, I've been very, very fortunate to have uh, really good guys uh, working for me to to make this thing work. And and these guys are great. I mean, they they actually do care, and and that's really hard to find in people where they actually care about what they're doing and and the work that they're putting forth. Um, and so, yeah, Sinusoid is a company. It, I guess, in a nutshell, it it formed because of just my experiences in pro audio in, in the touring mm-hmm. world and. And here we are today. And I don't know if right. you saw, but we just we just hired Albert too. Albert I Mills. did see that. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we're all really excited for that too. Uh, and he's no stranger to, to the to the world either. So no, not he's, at all. Not at all. He's your is he? Would he be your first kind of? Or is I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm speaking without. Well, I am speaking without any knowledge. He'd be your first like remote guy, or is he coming to Seattle? Uh, he he is going to be remote. Um, so Anthony has been doing uh, the. He's been directing the business. He's essentially been acting as the general manager of our company, um, mm-hmm. and also taking on the entire marketing aspect of it as well. So he and I mm-hmm. all meet to discuss the marketing strategy, and then he implements it. Um, and it was beginning to be, uh, it, not beginning. It, it's, it's always been, uh, uh, a bit much for one person to handle. Uh, right. And so our, our, when I found out that Albert was on the market, I quickly contacted him and, uh, we talked, we had a, you know, we talked over, uh, a couple of weeks and we decided, you know, he's a good fit for us and uh, he feels that we're, a good fit for for him and the type of of company that he wants to be with and so we we eventually hired him and we announced it to the world last night Uh, Mm -hmm. and he's going to be taking up uh the marketing aspect of our company so he's he's going to take some of that off of anthony's plate which anthony is super thankful for he can actually focus on uh business dev and some other things that have been uh, lacking his attention just because he hasn't had enough hours in the day or his life to make mm-hmm. it work. So, uh, right. Yeah. yeah, you get you tend to get st- stretched pretty thin pretty quickly when you're wearing that many hats. That's for sure. Um, yeah, for sure. So that- and especially in a, a small business startup environment too, um, it, it tends to get, yeah, everybody gets overworked and overstressed. So mm-hmm. Albert is a, a very, very welcome addition to, to the family here. And yeah, that's, that's you know, great. You and I, we, been... Oh, go ahead. Oh yeah. I was just going to say, I mean, you and I, we, every time we talk, we're talking business. So <laughs> it's kind of, we're starting to do it. Going we're back starting to do it that. again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is not a bad thing. You know, I mean, we talk business a lot, so. Uh, I know like I, I every time. Brian and I record Brian, you know, when we record chasing tone, um, yeah. for those who don't, I, I never know. This is a struggle with, with podcasting that I, I know there's like the core listeners who listen to every episode and that's great and amazing. Yeah. But then I, and, and then I, there's guys that like, I know there's people that like, this is their first time listening. And so it's like, I never uh-huh. know how much to explain. Um, 
You know, yeah. like, I, sh- like, should I explain who Justin is? Like, he's one of my best friends. I say that every time I bring him up. Should I say that every time I bring it up? Because it, it probably annoys some people that already know who Justin is. You know, and like, <laughs> yeah. you know, do I explain when I when I'm talking about recording with Brian? I'm talking generally about the Chasing Tone podcast, which is a different one that I do. I explain all. I never know how in depth to go with with uh, referring to people who are not on the mic. Um, yeah. It's kind of a weird thing. Well, so hopefully I'm not annoying the good thing is, these explanations. No, but the good thing is if they're a regular, if they are a regular listener, uh, they're not going anywhere. So you annoy him. Oh, well. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, no. And Jamie Davis unsubscribed from the podcast today. He just unsubscribed <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, oh, Jamie. <laughs> Yeah, he's our uh, that, sponsored troll of... in the world. <laughs> Which I don't know if I've seen that before. That's that's been like admitted. Like there's shills, yeah, and yeah. then there's Jamie Davis, which is kind of a different thing yeah. altogether. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. He's uh, he, he's he's hilarious. Uh, I mm-hmm. I reached out to him early on. I was like, hey, do you want to be my sponsored troll out there? And he was he was super excited. So. <laughs> Of course, he's like I've been doing it for free for all these years. Why not do it? You know, so yeah, yeah. So it, awesome. it's just been kind of an ongoing joke. I didn't mean to cut you off earlier, but yeah. oh no, that's that's okay. I, um, but yeah, well, and I guess you know there again, I go there. Uh, blah blah blah. There again, like for somebody who's just tuning in, maybe doesn't hang out in the the groups, the Tone Mob groups, or all the various interconnected guitar podcast groups that we have. Uh. Yeah. Uh, you know, you should be. Get on, get on in there, uh, in the Facebook. If you, if you're on Facebook, then really the only reason to be on Facebook is for, uh, groups that you're interested in participating in, in my opinion. Um, and Absolutely. we got a, we got a tone mob group and there's a whole bunch of people in there and, and year slum 60 cycle. We all talk and hang out in each other's Facebook groups and uh, you can join on in on the, all the fun and festivities in there. So anyway, yeah, that is again, me, that me is trying to explain things. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that's literally the only reason why I'm on Facebook is to to stay connected with the gear community. It's uh, um, I don't really, I'm, I'm not right there with you. Otherwise, no, no, I'm right there with you. Um, so let's see. There, there's there. We've talked about some interesting stuff, and I'll let you kind of lead. Um, to get it back on the subject of cables and gear, um, I'll let you kind of lead. But you guys, you guys do a lot more. Um, I don't know if the word would be R and D or product development or what what you would want to phrase it as. But you guys actually do a lot of testing um, before you come to market with a product. Whereas some people, you know, they they just kind of go with the standard issue items and solder them together and call it a day. It's not how you guys operate. So can you talk about as much as you're comfortable putting out there in public, I guess? Yeah, that's, that's not a problem. Um, and I'll, I mean, I can talk about, I think most of it really, um, we, we, we do invest heavily in R and D in developing new products. Um, when we bring a product to market, we want it to be, uh, at a hundred percent. I mean, obviously things will fail in the field. That's just a part of being a manufacturer. Uh, of course. And that, you know, there's no way around that really, but 
if you can do things on the front end to minimize that, then by all means, if it costs extra money or time, I'm willing to do that. Um, but we we have, and you're intimately aware of what we've got going on in the background. So, um, of course, when I talk about these sorts of things, I mean, I, I think you'll know, obviously, the viewers or the listeners won't. Um, but we've got probably about a dozen different things in the hopper right now um, in different stages of development. Um, and we're trying to bring different products to market, products that uh, some that other people are doing and we feel could be done better. Uh, some products that just aren't in the marketplace yet that, that we're hoping uh, with our introduction, it, it can be uh, something that's useful to, to, users out there but mm -hmm. part of that whole r&d is you know it takes a lot of time and money right and and of course the money isn't actually developing the product it's it's taken post design post manufacturing and bringing it to market putting all the money into marketing putting it into testing even um, mm -hmm. when you have something that's not right or you're in that testing phase and and you just don't like something about it. You have to go back and take, you know, multiple steps back to try and correct the issues. So there, yeah, again, there's, there's a lot of money and, and time that goes into it, but uh, some of the products that, and I think maybe this is kind of what you were hinting at. Uh, some of the products that, that we're working on right now is uh, some internal wiring for, for guitars and pedals. Uh, we have some of our prototypes out in the field um, and, Obviously, I mean, wire is not something to get super excited about, it, right. but we kind of do. I mean, as kind of nerds, uh, we're, we're definitely <laughs> uh, wire nerds or, or rope mongers, as other people say, or whatever, whatever right. you want to call it. Um, but, I mean, we do get excited about wire and connectors. and the, the That's what you want in a cable company. But, <laughs> you want nerds yeah, who are excited yeah. about wire and connectors making your cables. That's exactly what you need. Yeah. And, and food and beer. You know, you can't, can't skip that and scotch and a few other things. But, uh, right. We, yeah, the wire that we're bringing to market, uh, we feel it's a superior wire. And it, the way that we developed it, it it's developed for people who build pedals and who, who build guitars. So the wiring that they used internally. Um, and mm -hmm. some of the things about the wire is uh, everything is pre-tinned, so there's no exposed copper. Uh, the it, Once you bend it, it kind of holds its shape. The jacket material is uh, chemical resistant. It's resistant to abrasions. Um, there, Yeah, there are a whole host of things that we feel are, are great about it. There's also a few drawbacks that, you know, um, and so those are the things that we're still trying to work out right now. So it, mm -hmm. it's about 90% there. We're almost at the stage where we can bring it to market. But uh, we, we, yeah, we, from the, the feedback that we've got from uh, a few guys that have used it, they, they seem to really like it. So something like that, that's something that we, um, yeah, we're working on. And, and there are a few other things. I, I don't want to go too far into it because I think they're right. kind of more in the earlier stages. But, um, but our, our slivers are, Finally, uh, we, we've got the, the tooling to a new die caster. 
So we're we're oh, almost nice. there and getting this. Yeah, we're having some issues with that, but we're almost there and bringing the getting those back in stock. Um, our first I initial run. Of, yeah, you know, it was an instant hit, and we sold out, and we just couldn't keep them in stock. And then finally, we this is what I was talking about uh, of making sure that things are at a hundred percent. We just weren't happy with uh, some some minor things about that connector and the way that they were built from the, from the die caster that had the tooling before. So we, right, we pulled right. the plug, uh, no pun intended, and, and we <laughs> went back to the drawing board and we made some adjustments to the tooling and uh, we hired a new die caster to, to do the work. And so cool. we're almost there. We're Very cool. Yeah, the the initial run that we that we got in, um, we're happy with how they look and how they feel and the testing of the plugs themselves. So uh, we should have those. I, I'm hoping in the next you know four to six weeks, and we should have those in in mass quantities. So hopefully, you know, I've got my fingers crossed that that we're we're gonna be there. Yeah, I've had some people ask me about that, and I'm just like, because they know I have them, uh, and they're on yeah. my, they're they're the reason I was able to cram, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven pedals on a board. I don't even know <laughs> what it measures at. It's like the size of a sheet of paper. It's tiny. Yeah, um, I was able to cram seven pedals. Granted, three of them are mini pedals, but. Um, and I couldn't, I guarantee you there's at least one pedal that wouldn't be on there if it wasn't for the size and shape of the, the slivers. So, um, I'm excited to yeah, see those things come back. Yeah, definitely. We're, we're really proud of that product and it's been a long time coming. I mean, I think the first prototype was in our hands about three years ago. So we're, I mean, it, it's, it's really a drag to not be able to offer something that, that people want. Um, mm -hmm. we considered and, and when they initially went out of stock, we considered kind of doing a pre-sale thing, but we didn't quite feel comfortable with that. So we bagged that idea, uh, but hopefully when they're in stock again, we'll, we'll be able to get them out, um, in, into cool. the wild again and see how they do. But, and you were talking about like kind of the, the technical part of what we do. Um, that's what I was, yeah, I was hoping you I could get into some of that cause it's, it, it's it's more in depth than just soldering stuff together and seeing if it passes signal, um, which is what a yeah, lot of people yeah. kind of assume. Yeah, I, I'm so sorry for spending so much time on the kind of the R and D and the the product part of it. It's just I get kind of excited about that stuff, but uh, but the technical part of it. Uh, so I think for us, we we value having we value making decisions based on data and we we value uh being able to measure things and, and so we need to have measurable data when to back up uh what we talk about and, and to help us and other people understand what we're talking about and uh by that and i think i've explained this to you blake before but you know we can definitely go into it here um mm -hmm. we whenever we get a connector or any sort of raw wire or cable in, what we do is we, we create a testing system um, 
that we use only that we use internally. We publish the information yet. We're, we're hoping to eventually, but um, there's still some obstacles uh, around publishing that. But um, right, right, yeah. So we we take each cable and each connector and we hook it up to our our, our test system. And what we're doing is we're feeding pink noise through through um, the cable and and then we 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 test what happens to the sound or the tone as it travels through the cable and, and we can measure mm-hmm. uh, and for those for those who don't know what what is pink noise exactly pink noise is energy that, that's a uh, yeah it's just it's essentially 20 to 20k uh, audio so 20 hertz to okay. 20,000 hertz um, audio that that it, it's a random randomized noise generator that that pushes um, sound uh, out. So it, if you, um, it just it, you'd have to hear it to understand it. It's kind of like a, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? Obviously, that's not it. But uh, but what we do is so we have a pink, close enough. Yeah, yeah. We have a pink noise generator that mm-hmm. we hook up to uh, our a little black box that we developed that puts out a signal that emulates a, essentially a pickup on a guitar. And the, the, mm-hmm. the tone that you get with different cables or the, the impact that different cables have on the tone, it's due to the capacitance of the cable itself. Um, and, and that's a rating that right. you can typically find on a cable. And so, uh, it, and it's the way that the capacitance interacts with the pickup, the coils on, on, on your guitar. So, when you put different cables on um, your rig, it'll sound different than the next. And so we mm-hmm. take that pink noise, we put it through our uh, pickup emulator and run it through the cable and to an amp. And then we measure the output of what's coming out of the amp or the speaker. And so when we do that, we, mm-hmm. we can see what's going on to, with the tone. So when you're putting pink noise in, it goes through cable A, and all of a sudden you have a big dip at 1K, and, and that's 1,000 hertz uh, on the frequency response of what's coming out post-cable. Um, you can see how that cable is impacting your tone. And so when you hook up one cable, you measure it, you hook up the next cable, and you measure that, and you can compare the differences. So you can get a, a really consistent uh, measurable set of data that you're essentially profiling the cable. So we know that, for instance, um, a Gotham cable will sound a certain way where it has uh, slightly elevated mids as compared to others. It'll also have uh, slightly mm-hmm. elevated high frequency response um, as compared to kind of the more inexpensive brands or the lesser known brands. Um, and and, right. and we know this because we've tested it and it's not just listening to it because when you listen to something, it can be highly subjective from uh, listener to listener, but we've actually measured it. Of course. Yeah. And, and our measurements, uh, obviously we don't just use one cable. We take different sections of, of cables from uh, different spools of the same brand just to make sure that we're getting consistent data and so when we uh, when we measure it and we have the data in hand and have essentially a, a tone profile for the cable that, that we're trying to sell, we know that when we talk about it, 
we can back it up with data. And so I know that's right. Rather than some mystical, you know, guru speak, it's like, here's the numbers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We, we don't just say, Hey, this one is brighter just because we think it is, or because, uh, when we hooked it up with a guitar, it sounded brighter, right? We know it because right. our data shows it and we've measured it and it, we've taken uh, all the subjective part of it out. And now it's an objective um, descriptor of, of the tone. So, um, I mean, that's really important to us as a company, everything that, that we do, we want um, transparency and truth and, and, and what we do. And so uh, this just kind of goes along with you know, the corporate culture and the, the the type of brand that we're trying to build. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's it it's a lot of fun though. I mean, there are you know we <laughs> we tested different cables and we we found that you know there are some very very high end esoteric brands that uh, don't even come close to living up to their claims. There are some very, very low end. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. It's disappointing, actually. There are some no name, uh, lower end economy brands that we've tested where we go, wow, this is, this stuff is actually really amazing. And if, you know, <laughs> if we could get more of it, we'd probably buy a bunch in bulk and sell it, but we just can't, you know. Um, I think we, mm-hmm. we tested a Radio Shack cable at one point. Um, and we're blown away by the uh, <laughs> the tonal response of uh, of the Radio Shack cable. So that was that was kind of fun. But as you know, a lot of them have gone away. That is interesting. Yeah, it you know the yeah, the connectors was, that they used were was, junk, but the cable itself wasn't too bad. Of course. Yeah. So, but you know, and, and the the funny the thing is, I mean, you can't obviously with anything, right? You can't just judge the cable based on the, the tonal response. You gotta look at the construction of it, you gotta look at uh the jacket material, the insulator material, what kind of core it has, the type of copper that's used. Um are there any, you know, what kind of strain relief is built into the cable, the shielding. Um yeah, there's just there are multiple parts of the cable that you have to look at to to uh to assess the final package really. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And we like that stuff. So we've done it all and, and we have our preferences and what we feel, um, make a superior cable and what, what doesn't. So that's, that's kind yeah, of the geek sure. side of, of, of cables. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Right. That's the stuff that <laughs> well, and I don't, I don't know for sure. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was done. Oh, okay. No, um, I, that's, and you know, I, I don't know this. For you know, for sure, I haven't talked to that many cable guys. You know, a handful, but I I don't think that anybody's probably very, or I should say, very few, if any, are taking it to that level of analysis. You know, um, I'm sure some. Yeah, I'm sure Monster Cable has done a ton of research into their stuff, but they're a pretty big outfit, right? I don't think any smaller guys are probably going to that level. I I I, I don't know of any. I should say that. Yeah, I'm um, I'm not aware of any. Um, and I don't want to say that nobody else is because I'm not sure and I don't know. But the the guys that I've talked to, um, they tend to not go even. Yeah, they they don't go in depth like this. Um, 
but that you know it's driven it's a lot of it is driven by my um my love for physics and um so i, I don't know it's just it's really it, it excites us it's something that we love doing i mean we're, we're these aren't just products yeah. that we want to bring to market to make money because um, obviously i mean we need to make money but these are things that we actually genuinely get excited about as as a group and as a company. Um, so, yeah, it's, that's. I think you would. I think you would have to. I mean, it would be really difficult to. I think with cables in in particular, for most people, that would be a difficult thing to like. Care enough to make a salt, you know, to make a something different. You have to genuinely kind of get excited by the product it, it, itself. You know, it'd be like if my wife was going to try to start a, you know, a pedal company. She doesn't care. Yeah. So she would probably, you know, buy a tube screamer and sell it, you know, from China and sell it if she was going to do it because she doesn't really care that much. Yeah. You know, definitely. Uh, I mean, and it's it, fun talking it, to it, the guys that just, that, are, that thinks very similarly about the products that they're making. And it, it's fun to geek out, kind of listen to their stories too. So. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. So, um, there was something I, I was going to ask you about. And, oh, I know what it was. It's, it's going back to food, which, which we're getting, we're getting down to the last few here. Um, we can revisit food because why not? Yeah. You know, dude, anytime's um, a good time to talk about but, food. But, uh, but, but you're quite the, uh, avid, avid, uh, smoker slash barbecuer, I've noticed. And that's, that's why I knew I I knew that I knew from the moment I saw your grill setup that we were going to get along <laughs> real well. Actually, I, yeah. Actually, I'd already I'd already talked to you by then. But <laughs> um, so like um, I I I don't know how to make a lot of things really well, but I feel like I make a mean brisket. Mm-hmm. Um, are you a brisket uh, a brisket fan? And if so, like, what kind of techniques do you like to use? I love... Because everyone needs to, you know, we talked about cables, on to brisket. Yeah, I, you know, I love brisket. So I, I kind of treat smoking, grilling, barbecuing, kind of the same way that I do cables. I, I just totally get into it, and I want to know everything about it. But the brisket is, it's been my unicorn. I, I just can't... I haven't been able to make a brisket that I'm just super proud of and that I like. Um, I, I've ruined so many briskets along the way, and I just <laughs> I've, I've almost given up on it. I, I just feel bad ruining a nice piece of meat. I'd rather give it to somebody who can do it well. Um, and I hate, right. I hate it to is, admit it. It's a gamble, right? It is. It totally is. But man, when you have good brisket with a nice fat cap on it, that's just caramelized and oh man, has just a really just a thin but super crunchy and flavorful crust on the fat cap. Oh man, there's <sighs> nothing like it. Oh man, <laughs> but, oh my mouth's watering right now. Yeah, but I can't. I just can't get there. It's it's again. It's my unicorn that I just can't. Like I can't get and it just it's so frustrating it's it's to the point where i just yeah i've almost given up man i need your help i mean it's it's well it's funny because it's like the one thing i feel good at Mm -hmm. uh in life in general yeah i don't know if i'm good at it it's just that like i found a system well rather my mom found a system 
that worked really well. And I just kind of replicated it okay. and did a few tweaks. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's an, it's an all, all day thing, like longer than all day yeah. thing. Like, you know, I'll either start it, you know, I'll usually start it super early in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, depends on how big the brisket is. Um, but I get it, I get it, uh, I get it kind of coated with a, a nice dry rub. There's a couple different ones that I like to use. Um, that, or that'll, that'll make, yeah. but like for real bare bones, like keeping it super basic and making it as easy on yourself as possible. Um, that, uh, Costco Montreal seasoning okay. is surprisingly good. Mm. It's not like amazing, yeah. but it works pretty well, especially in conjunction with everything else. And that, that um, has like the big, so if you're looking for, for, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh no! Yeah, it's a big container. Yeah, it's a yeah, and it has it's, a giant like it, rock salt, and it has cayenne and paprika and all that stuff in there, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and you can tweak. You know, you could all definitely come up with something better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying it's the best, but for simplifying the process as much as possible, yeah, that that stuff works pretty well. Um, it's a little bit too much salt for me. Okay, for what I would normally prefer. Yeah, but. It, it, you can balance it out with, uh, with some other things. So, um, with brisket, um, I like to, like to get the dry rub on there, um, let it stand to room temperature. Okay. Basically, you know, keep it in the fridge, but let it stand to room, room temperature. And then, um, I get the smoker going, um, to about, you know, 220, 220, you know, between 240 and 225, somewhere in there. It's not, you know, some grill guys are just probably look, listening to this and going, you don't know what you're talking about, kid. Like, <laughs> yeah. an idiot. But everyone's very opinionated about their, their grilling. Yeah. And then uh, I put it on there and I actually inject the heck out of it with, with beer. Oh, all um, right. Any, any particular? Yeah, uh, usually I'll use, uh, for cost effectiveness and, and tastiness, I'll usually go with, uh, I'll usually go with, uh, um, uh, boy, pyramid. Okay. Uh, pyramid outburst IPA. Okay. Um, is a good one. Um, depending, now this also depends on the dry rub. So when I'm using the Montreal seasoning, I actually kind of prefer, uh, apple juice. Okay. Instead of beer. Um, it, cause it, cause, cause of that salt content, like the apple juice lends some sweetness. Yeah. And it helps balance it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the beer I would use if you're not using as much salt, but I would still even mix in a little apple juice. It just really is a nice, a nice touch yeah. or apple cider vinegar even oh, for uh, sure. in some of that, um, w- works well. So it, it kind of depends on what I'm shooting for, but it's, it's usually one of the, a combination of one of those three things that it gets injected with over the course of the whole smoke. I see. So like yeah. to keep it moist, yes. um, so let it smoke like that for a while until the internal temp gets up a little bit. Um, and then at some point after probably, you know, six hours or so, it'll be to a point where I'll wrap it mm-hmm. in foil. Um, and that is not that at that point you could take it off the smoker and like finish it in your oven if you want, because the smoke's not really doing anything yeah. when the foil's covering it. It's just getting it to temp, but usually I'm feeling lazy. So I'll just use the smoker and just turn it up a little bit. Okay. Um, once it gets up, gets up to internal temp, uh, 
I have to look at my notes to remember exactly what that is, but I can text it to you later. Yeah. I, I'll take it off, um, uh, double wrap it in, in foil again, or sorry, I double wrap it uh, already, but I'll wrap it in a towel and stick it in a cooler. Oh, okay. And it will actually continue to rise. Yeah. It'll continue to rise in temperature. Yeah. 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 Um, you probably know all this stuff. (laughs) I'm just giving out general grill advice on the guitar show. Yeah, no, uh, it's, it's always good <laughs> advice, man. <laughs> and then to get, so what that, the, the, that speeds things along. Yeah. But the problem is, um, it causes the moisture to kind of build up in there and you, you don't get that nice bark. Yeah. So I, before it's right before it's all totally done, I'll crank up the smoker to like max. Okay. You know, 400 plus. And then take it out of the foil and set it on there for a little bit so it re-crisps up that bark. Yeah. So, you know. So, and then when you bite, when you when you cut into it, you have this super moist, super delicious, like, beer-soaked meat. Nice. Uh, but on the outside, it's crunchy. Okay. It's crunchy and delicious. So there's the gist. Wow. That's how I do it. <clears throat> I'm not an expert, but it's the one piece of meat that I, I get done, I'm like, you done good, son. You done good. <laughs> yeah. So my problem has always been, so <laughs> I, you know, I and I concentrate on different things, right? So if I'm really working hard mm-hmm. to get the bark just perfect, then something else suffers. Uh, I tend to get a little bit drier meat, and if I'm trying to get nice moist meat, then the bark is not right. Or if I'm trying to get the fat cap to where it's just super juicy and falling apart, but has a let's say that nice crust on it. Then some other part is I I just can't get it all to line up together, and that's been my issue. And I don't know if do you inject do you inject throughout the out the cook? I don't, and as I I don't, it, it's just kind of always been a rule of mine where I don't like to put I don't like to puncture the meat at all when I'm cooking red meat. And, and maybe I need to to stray away from that and actually try it. Um, I think I think if you focus, like you say, you focus on one thing at a time. If you focus on making crispy, delicious bark with like the right fat cap and everything, yeah. And just don't worry about the don't you know? I mean, don't, not don't worry about it, but whatever you do to focus on getting that, focus on that, and then just like every every couple hours, just inject a little bit of moisture into it yeah probably your safest bet would be like apple juice or apple cider vinegar as far as a kind of a neutral balancing thing yeah um i think you'll find you get what you're looking for because that's what keeps it the only reason i do that i do that for flavor but i also do it to keep the meat dry yeah for sure and i've never had a i've i've yet to make one that had a that was dry okay i've had some that were a little too wet yeah um but I'd rather that than dry. Man, I'm gonna have to try it. I'm gonna have so, to take a day uh, off this week and try it. <laughs> All this talk about brisket, but yeah, you, you know. But in general, like I, I, I love to to smoke and I love to to barbecue. And for for the listeners out there, and this is probably gonna start an argument in the group. But my understanding, and this oh, is oh how, boy. yeah, I know. This is this is how I understand it, and this is how I refer to smoking. Smoking is kind of lower temperatures, under under two hundred degrees. Obviously, the introduction of smoke. Barbecuing is right. kind of above two hundred, but it, it it can be both indirect and direct heat. And that grilling is mm-hmm. is high heat, essentially searing. So, 
right? So when you're grilling, you're doing things like a burger where you want it to be medium on the inside. So you're grilling it at super high heat. You're creating that, you know, that nice crust and, and you're just making the nice charred ends, charred edges and whatnot. And that's what you're shooting for. So um, that's my understanding of it. People might differ in their opinion, um, but whatever. I, I think I can agree with, with all that. Yeah. I, I, I don't see any problems there with that theory. Yeah. I, well, that's just kind of how I see it, but you know, I, I, I love smoking. Um, I, I, I tend to smoke a lot of fish just because I catch fish and I, I like to preserve it that way. Um, smoke salmon all day. I, um, Oh man, I'm going to have to bring you down. So I, I'm going to be down there in first weekend in November. I'll have to bring you some, um, but uh, oh, please do! Yeah, and you—you'll probably you'll be at the one-day show, right? I'm guessing, assuming. Uh, I'm planning on it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Barring any unforeseen circumstances, I should definitely be there. Yeah. So we'll have to um, hang there. I'll bring for those who don't know. That's. Yeah, yeah. For those who don't know, that's like, that's Coach Schneider doing his his traveling boutique guitar show. It's coming to Portland. Uh, here, what day? I forgot. The fourth, I think it was. November Saturday. It's the November fourth. Okay. Yeah. So the first Saturday of the month. Cool. But, so, but yeah, I, I love if you're in Portland, come down and say hi. Oh, for sure. Yeah, all you Portland, the the Portland people, come say hi to all of us, actually. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I love smoking sure. fish, um, halibut. I don't know if you've ever had smoked halibut. Um, that I, I have. I have. Yeah, I I prefer smoking halibut over pan fried or anything else um i think it's a mm-hmm. i think white fish white fleshy fish tends to take up the smoke really well um obviously okay. you know um i like smoking big pieces of red meat that, that goes without saying uh, <laughs> i like of course i like barbecuing uh ribs ribs barbecued ribs are always Mm-hmm. a good thing and then i i start i start ribs in the smoker at, at low temp just to get that smoke to penetrate the the meat and then because once once you start barbecuing um i i feel like the smoke doesn't penetrate the meat as well because it cooks the outside a little too quick so i like to start it right. in the smoker and start real right. low uh get that smoke to penetrate and then i'll move it up and and essentially barbecue it and finish it bar- in the barbecue. What uh, what kind of smoker setup do you have? I just basically have one one Traeger, and I feel like the Traeger is a little bit cheating in a lot of ways because it's so easy. Yeah. But I'm not going to argue with that because it, it's awesome. But you got a more elaborate setup, I think. I, I have a I have a master-built electric. It's like a mini-fridge type of deal. Um, I also have a Traeger. I also have a... Uh, I forget the brand, but it has, it's essentially a barrel with a side firebox that I like to do if I have mm-hmm. a lot of time and patience and, uh, the weather's nice. So I, cause you know, when you have a real firebox going, you, I mean, you have to maintain it. You have to, I mean, you're out there every 30 minutes to check temp, check the fire, check everything. So, um, I have three different smokers. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And the Traeger is almost kind of like more of a barbecue than a smoker. Uh, definitely you, you turn it down on the lowest setting and you know, it can, it can be both right and start smoking on the trigger 
and move the temp up and, and barbecue it right there without having to move the meat over to something else. Um, so the Traeger is super mm-hmm. convenient and, and I love that piece. Um, and then I have a couple charcoal grills and a gas grill. I, I've got way too much. It's stupid how much I have, but <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not. I don't No, it isn't. It is. It's absolutely yeah, perfectly reasonable. It is, but it isn't kind of thing. Uh, but I, I love it. I wouldn't get rid of any of it. Um, it I find way too much enjoyment <laughs> from it. Yeah. But it's it's a lot of fun. I kinda wanna grill today now. You should, man. I wanna grill. I'm gonna I'm gonna grill I'm gonna grill something this evening. I don't know what it's gonna be, but maybe some burgers or something. It just sounds way too good. Yeah, you gotta cook some meat. <sighs> gotta... Well Yeah, I got you. Well, we we have uh, crested that hour mark successfully. Oh, cool. Um, I think we've 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 successfully talked about food more so than than gear, which I think was the same thing for the last episode I did with Christian from Adventure. We we talked about food a lot on that. I, I we're slanting more and more food based. I'm wondering if I should just change the whole concept to food based podcasts. <laughs> you uh, should, and you know, just ignore guitars altogether. Yeah, might as well. <laughs> I mean, you know, I find that a lot of guitar guys are are huge food guys as well. So. You know, I think it it, it would. It, I'm starting to discover that. Yeah, I mean, who's not a food guy, right? Or a food person, or food gal, or whatever you want to say. But. Well, well, there's yeah, I know some guys. I know some guys that just they just don't care, oh. which is a, probably an easier way to be. But they're just like it's sustenance. I just need it to survive, and that's the only reason I even eat. Wow, you know, wow. I'm like well, well, good on you, pal. Yeah, you know, I don't know what else. I can't, I can't help you. I can't be of assistance to you yeah. in any way, shape, or form. Nor, nor can we be friends. Um. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> like, in fact, I don't think we should be speaking right now. This, yeah, these people. What's wrong with them? But anyway, I don't know. I don't want to talk about them anymore. Yeah. I'm not going to give them the time of day. Yeah. Um, but it was great talking to you. Um. We did. We kind of talked about pizza in the beginning, um, but if you can real quick, what what's your favorite kind of kind of pizza? Because I'd be in trouble if I didn't ask that uh, question. Pineapple and cheese, and that's it. Pi- pineapple, <laughs> oh, dude, no way, man! That on I, purpose. I can't do pineapple, man. I <laughs> no, I'm a I'm a pepperoni and jalapeno guy, and if if the place that I'm having the pizza at can accommodate I, I like to have garlic on there as well yeah. mm, now that sounds like a pie yeah. that sounds good and that's it now i like it simple language. i like it with a little bit of spice and, and some of that garlic goodness and i'm set i don't i don't want that sounds yeah that sounds fantastic i don't put any other you know like parmesan or i'll do any of that it's that that's all i want yeah. i like it I knew I liked you, Andy. I knew I liked you. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Well, this has been fun. Um, you can find uh, all of Andy's goods at uh, sinusoid.com. As you guys know, they've been supporting the show for a long time. and So thank you very much for that, uh, good sir. Well, thanks uh, for I having really me. appreciate it that. It was a lot of fun. And um, yeah, thanks for coming on. We've been trying to do this for what, like three weeks? Yeah. Four weeks? Yeah, yeah. Longer, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. We've talked about it for a while. We certainly have. 
Uh, we'll, we'll wrap that up for today. Uh, so as always, folks, for Andy, this is Blake. Good luck and good tones. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.